Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet. Welcome to the Animal Tales Podcast, where we talk about my favorite subject, animals. I certainly hope you're enjoying these podcasts and will continue to listen in each week as I share these stories about the amazing animals and the people who love, care for, and work with them. I'm also very excited to introduce you to a new series in the Animal Tales brand, the Dog on Good Information podcast. The statistic is over 68% of homes have some type of pets, and those are primarily dogs. Of course, following along with that trend is a great deal of information, services, and businesses based on pet ownership. Well, I contend there's also a lot of misinformation out there as well. Let me give you an example. We see ads that say many trainers use only positive reinforcement when training. Is that even possible? Hmm. I think we will delve a little further into that topic. Other topics include a deep dive into shelters and rescues, as well as breeders and pet stores. There's so much to unpack here. Along with my co-host, professional animal trainer Tommy Fahey, we'll delve into discussions and debates about these issues and more. Not to worry, though, my Animal Tales podcast will continue to drop every Tuesday with a new episode. The Dog on Good podcast will be dropping on Fridays and will also be available by video on my YouTube channel and Facebook. Without any further ado, please enjoy this premiere episode of Dog on Good Information. Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet, the host of the Animal Tales podcast. I'm so excited to be bringing you a brand new series, Animal Tales Presents, some doggone good information. I'm so proud to be a third generation animal trainer, animal caretaker, and animal welfare expert. And also, I'm going to be joined on this podcast by a good friend of mine, Tommy Fahey. Welcome, Tommy. Hi, Heidi. Glad to be here. Well, why don't you tell them about yourself? Well, my name is Tommy Fahey. I'm an animal lover and animal trainer from Springfield, Missouri, where I operate Tommy Fahey Horsemanship. I have a Bachelor of Science in Animal and Equine Science from Missouri State University, and I have a lifetime of experience working with all types of animals in a variety of capacities, including uh, entertainment, veterinary medicine, and husbandry management. Very cool. And it's funny because as you're saying that, I picture you when I, I actually went to your vet clinic, brought my horses there when I was laying over in Springfield. And then yes. I picture you trick riding off the back of a horse doing a crouper thing. And uh, <laughs> so to me, you're, you're, you know, all of those things. And you and I, one of the reasons I want to do this podcast, my Animal Tales podcast is about stories about people who love and care for animals. Those include like the Iditarod, uh, the last great race in Alaska, New York carriage horses, uh, service dogs, canine companions. Some of these stories that people who aren't in the animal field really don't um, know the full story they hear from the animal rights community. So that podcast is devoted to telling the stories. I always say there's more to the story. And I'm telling those stories of those people who love and care for animals and taking the emotion out of it, 
providing practicality, reality, expertise, science, data, and uh, best practices, animal husbandry. The, the doggone good information podcast is really designed more to address uh, dog and small pet owners. I see so many things that intrigue me and then things that trouble me, things I question. And so I will call Tommy and we will hash out some of this stuff, laugh about it, commiserate together, call BS on some of it. So, uh, yeah. So Tommy, we have some great conversations and it was, so that's why when I decided to do this, I, and wanted to co-host, you were first on my list. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to be here. Yes. I think we have a lot of interesting conversations that will bring light to a lot of things that people just don't hear about. Exactly. And and really need to hear it. Exactly. And while we have expertise, we're both animal trainers we both specialize in horses and I know you've trained dogs. I train dogs also as part of my business. And, um, you also have the degree and worked at the vet practice and we're even going, uh, towards being a vet for a while till somebody, yes. somebody set you straight on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are great vets out there, but you, I think you decided it wasn't for you. So between us, my generational experience and a variety of species. And then Tommy, I know you have a lot of experience, but also have the degree, you know, bring us together in a fun way. So it's so ironic that we're taping today, our first episode, because I had an experience today that you were the first person I thought that I wanted to call and share it with, but I waited because I knew we were going to be taping. So I'm uh, doing dog training locally in the Pinellas County area, St. Petersburg, Clearwater area. And I have a gal who's working with me as an apprentice to help me do some videotaping and just, she wants to learn as well. So it's kind of a good fit. So she has uh, several dogs and one of them being a pit bull Rottweiler cross, two-year-old. So I said, let's do, take your dog out and do some taping. Tell me what's going on and we'll address it on video. So we made probably the mistake of going to our local park today. And I'm thinking I drive up, I even take a picture of this lovely park with some water and having this la la moment, right? After drinking my coffee, driving into the park and I get there and I swear the Jaws music came on. Oh, <laughs> like, so she has a big dog. It's a big black dog. It's a two year old and she's had it since it's a puppy. Cause frankly, I can, I can be a little concerned about dogs like that, right? Because when you show a little For leadership, sure. they look up at you and go, oh, not today, sweetie, and they show you their mm-hmm. teeth. So I drive up and her dog's running on the leash because we're in an open park. There are dogs parked, but we were in the open part. And she's playing a little fetch. So I get out of the car and I walk up to her and I have a video, my, my phone and a tripod in my hand. And I have a very authoritative uh, stance when I'm training. Right. So it doesn't look like we're two girlfriends chatting and she's in front of me and I'm instructing her with the dog. You know how many people came into our space? She's first of all, got a big dog, which I would just avoid as a matter of course. And I don't, yeah, I don't allow, I don't allow dogs to meet when I'm training. I don't really, I don't really buy into that so much unless I really am 
that's what I want to do. So if you're out with your dog and I'm out with mine, don't assume I want my dog to meet your dog. I would like you to walk around me. My dog is always on a short leash if I'm walking and working with him. So I had a little confrontation because a woman with a small dog with a extend a leash. Oh, the retractable leashes. Oh, the dreaded retractable leash. The worst um, thing that ever happened. Yeah, it comes by with like a mini Aussie, a small dog. And the dog, she lets it come over and almost get nose to nose with this larger dog that is obviously pulling on the leash and being not behaved. So I said, it would be ideal if you would, you know, walk around. We're, we're training here. Boy, did I get a rash of crap from her. And then a, a stander, a person sitting at a table in a pavilion gets up and becomes incredibly rude and filthy mouthed and tells me what would make me happy <laughs> if I would do that. So I won't repeat that on the air. But so I was thinking of you. I was like, oh, God, I got to share this with Tommy. But oh, my. I know just just trying to go out and we weren't even on the sidewalk. So we were we'd actually moved off into the grassy area. I prefer a sidewalk when I'm training less for the dog to sniff around in that. But we yeah. were trying to be respectful and people kept coming by us. So it's kind of nonsensical. You know, it's scary. Yeah, I think we're we're in a weird place where uh, having a pet with you almost invites people to come up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you see it all the time. People, well, people are taking their pets everywhere now. Yes. Uh, in, into uh, non-pet friendly areas. Uh, I was in a, a, a grocery store just uh, yesterday, actually, and they have a little cafe area. And this guy with his little white fluffy dog sitting there on the, the booth next to him in the cafe. And I'm thinking, why was that necessary? Yeah. Is that in the best interest of that dog, that particular individual? And then as I'm leaving the little cafe area, I walk out the door and I'm past a, a woman coming into the building and the dog who's positioned looking at the door starts going nuts, starts trying to bark at this lady coming into the building. And I'm thinking, you have just created a, a very high stress yeah. animal. You've put this animal into a situation uh, that he was not prepared for. Um, and you just expect everybody around you to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of both ends of the spectrum in that way. Um, well, you know, I just he, did, I just did a podcast, animal tales podcast episode, uh, nine and all of this, by the way, well, it, you can reach out to us at animal tales pod animal tales podcast at gmail.com. And animaltales.com is the URL, T-A-L-E-S, animaltalespodcast.com. Uh, Canine Companions. And the woman who is the advo advocacy coordinator is also disabled and ha is on her third service dog. And she tells the story of her second service dog being put out of service after two years because of those scenarios where exactly the service dogs are required to take a look at that and assess that threat or situation while they're supposed to be mindful of the person they're taking care of the job that they have to do but they're they're always looking at the risk assessment around them and the dog mm -hmm. became 
so paranoid of being barked at and it was attacked at it was attacked 10 times in 2 years That's in incredible. places yeah in places like target and sams and grocery stores where there are clear signs on the wall door that say uh, ADA service dogs only American disability act service dogs only so something we'll definitely talk about more in this podcast and I always say, if you can't leave your dog alone in the house for an hour or two while you run out to the store, you have bigger problems than, you know, that means Correct. you're either separation anxiety or something going on that we really should address in training. And the reason is because if something happens to you, that dog may not be kept safe or live a good life if it has that many problems or neuroses or such. And those are fixable, Correct. right? Well, and then my question is, are those the dog's issues or are those the human's <laughs> issues? <laughs> yes. So I think that often becomes uh, a little bit of a gray area, perhaps. Yeah. Um, Not so yeah. gray to me, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> You're being kind. I am. I did uh, on iHeartMedia, I did, uh, I've done a, a couple dozen uh, radio interviews on various markets in the, around the country and Canada. One of them was fireworks uh, over near the 4th of July because people's dogs are afraid of fireworks. Are fireworks new? Are dogs new? Are having pets new? No, what is new is how we're dealing with them and being tippy-toed and, you know, nervous about all of it. So I wasn't trying to be overly sarcastic, but it came up, um, should, I, should I use the drugs? Because they're dispensing, uh, you worked for the vet, so you could talk about oh, that yes. in a second, but yep. should I use the drugs? I said, you should absolutely take the drugs and your dog will be in much better shape. Correct. <laughs> and I, I, there's some aspect of that. And again, I, I don't mean to sound so sarcastic because these are real issues people are dealing with. But for us as trainers, these are some of the things that are we can deal with, right? With Correct. a good training program. So not making light of it, but trying to encourage people to get their animals trained. I, I want you yeah. to follow up on the fact that we provide a lot of medication for dogs now and what it's like to be at the vet clinic. Oh, yes. Uh, it was extremely common to hand out prescriptions for uh, anxiety medications. Um, you know, it was very common. Actually, we would um, pre-order, you know, going into the middle of June, we would stock up on, on the anxiety meds because <laughs> oh, we my. knew July 4th was coming. Yeah. Um, so they'd order an extra, uh, you know, bottle of, of whatever it was. Uh, what yeah, about so doggy it's, Prozac? Yeah. Usually it wouldn't in two directions. It would be a sedative okay. um, or in some cases um, uh, an antipsychotic drug. Um, so okay. uh, kind of it, it's very similar to human medicine. I think in a lot of ways, I'm not a human medicine expert, but um, it's a lot of the same drugs. Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, and it, it kind of depends on on the particular dog and the particular way that they're exhibiting their behaviors. 
Right. Um, I hear, I, speaking of dogs, <laughs> what am I hearing there behind you? That would be Jimmy Dean, the Jack Russell. He who wants is not some airtime. at the moment. Yeah, he wants some <laughs> airtime. He's usually the star of the show, so. Yes. Hi, Jimmy uh, Dean. He's, he's the cute little dog on our logo, the little uh, brown and white Jack Russell. Yeah, he's a five-year-old Jack Russell Terrier. Uh, who normally is sitting in my lap, but I wasn't completely sure that he would just sit still for the 30 minutes that we're <laughs> recording. So he's in the kennel next to me. Okay. Um, but as far as the, the drugs and uh, anti-anxiety meds and all of that stuff goes when it comes to fireworks and that kind of thing, I think really the point goes back to we wait till we have a major problem before we address it. So, you know, as a professional trainer, uh, we see this all the time. We don't get the phone call until there's a major issue. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's really the, the start of it. Because a lot of these issues, like you're saying, can be dealt with with good training, a good right. foundation of training, how we interact with the animal, how we carry ourselves. But you don't wait for the boulder to fall off the cliff before you address the problem. Right. Yeah. We, I, I always get my clients to role play these problems. We've got yeah. more technology than ever. You could put on YouTube and play fireworks in your house, turn your TV exactly. up. You, there's so many ways to do it. It's not taking them to the fireworks event and hoping they're going to, you know, be okay with it. And by the way, those of us who do train animals, we can, we can predict with fairly certain uh, percentage that we know how the animals are going to react. And that Correct. is certainly held true in my world. Again, I have been on the performance side. I don't show horses competitively or dogs. I teach uh, foundation work for somebody who's not in show business. And for show business, we teach uh, more elevated where they're performing in the shows. So county fairs are a place that I was doing a lot of work. If you know anything about a county fair, they like to shoot off fireworks, at least at the oh, end yes. of the fair, if not every night. And I can't, I can't simulate fireworks at the barn at home, right, for my horses. Um, but I would just train them really well and get them to look at me. The dogs, the horses, they have to look at me. And if I say it's okay, they're fine. And yep. we do it with, you're fine, you're good, not, it's okay, it's okay, and stroking in them while they're being crazy or nervous. So right. we're going to talk a lot about training on this podcast, and um, that just gives you a little idea of where, Tommy, you and I are coming from on hearing and watching a lot of this. Again, you're seeing it at the vet um, when you were working for the vet, and dogs being terrified to come into the vet. I had a client the oh, other yes. day, uh, we were doing a dog clinic and a week later she was going to the vet and she was already telling me about her nervousness about going to the vet. And I said to her, I said, I don't want to be rude, but I could guarantee you your dog's going to be nervous at the vet because you're already nervous. Exactly. And they are very intuitive. Animals are so intuitive. And I think um, that they bounce off of our energy and what we're giving them. So, 100%. Yeah. yeah, so until you hear, until we, del until we delve into this more, just try that little, uh, maybe try that. Just give your dog a matter-of-fact 
answer to something. You're fine. Uh, something coming at you or a scary garbage truck. Those are big ones, right? Garbage trucks. And don't anticipate the garbage truck yourself. But when it does come, just say, hey, you're fine. You're fine. And put a leash on them, take them away from the window and distract them. Yeah. So you're, and you're as much saying it one. to yourself as you are to the dog. <laughs> yeah. That's a very good thing. point. Heidi, yeah. the garbage truck is okay. Nothing it's to fine. see. Yes. It's fine. <laughs> I always tell people it's like having a small child in your care. Yes. And if they were really nervous and anxious about everything, how would you handle it? I submit that people handle it differently if it's a child versus a really nervous dog. I wouldn't let the child run around the house and crawl under the beds and do stuff like that. So again, we're going to, we're going to get into real nuts and bolts of this. We'll take a deep dive. Um, but I want to segue a bit into um, some of the things we're going to talk about on this. And by the way, this is the dog on good information podcast. I'm Heidi Harriet and I'm joined by Tommy Fahey. And we're just kind of getting into uh, all things dog related and pet related and we'll be taking a deep dive into training programs and methodology as well. And one of the reasons, at least for my part, I wanted to do this as a generational animal trainer, caretaker, and um, seeing how the amount of training we did with our animals and how we could take them anywhere and do anything with them. I mean, I've taken horses in inside casinos, up steps on elevators and they were like, oh, this is cool. Wow. You know, <laughs> and I approach it that way too. Like, hey, this is going to be fun. Pay attention. Let's do this. You know, I tell that story <laughs> about you and Lucky Star <laughs> in the casino with yes. the plexiglass stage and the lighting from underneath. Yes. And people look at me like I have three heads. Like, how is that possible? That yeah. Possible. So we, it was a uh, Gulfstream uh, park down there and they had us, my little horse counted. So they, are you smarter than a horse? And the horse would count out some math problems that if he was wrong, people won money, right? So I get there, we have to go through the bar, up steps, elevator, and all that. The Lucky Star is a miniature horse who is right now the Give Kids the World unicorn. I couldn't be more happy about that. But we get into the building, and I'm walking with the representatives from the park who've set this up. And we get to a disco stage, literally about a 10 by 10 disco stage that's plexiglass with lights inside of it turning and swirling. And I stop and they're like, oh, it's not going to work out. I said, no, it's fine. We just need a rug because when he jumps up there, he's going to slide. You know, I wasn't <laughs> the least bit worried about the lights or that. So and everybody looks around and we can't find a rug. So I, I said to my husband, go over to the door and grab that logo mat. You know, those rubber bottom rugs that have the logo in yep. and I said go grab that he went and got that we flipped it upside down just so he could get up on the stage I have little boots for him as well and he looked down at the lights like what are they doing with this stall gosh what are people yeah. doing these days and he went right to work but I didn't get nervous for him and I can tell you we never practiced with a disco stage at home <laughs> but yeah that that was funny that you lucky star was uh not because of that but he was a unique little guy um on a more serious note something going on right now and another example of where we want to go with this podcast there's a huge like I'll call it a canine flu or illness kind of sweeping the country San Antonio California um are current and I know this past winter 
even in Pinellas County, we had it in Florida. They closed the shelters. They wouldn't adopt out during those times. Mm -hmm. And South Florida had a big uh, kind of epidemic of it. And I have a pretty good theory about what's going on. But Tommy, I know you and I have talked about this on the phone. Oh, yes. Whoops. Time's up. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? We're going to keep going. We're just having so much fun. All right. So... So, um, yeah, so I want you to to elaborate a bit on what you think is going on there or part of it, at least. Yeah, par- part of what's going on uh, is, as we said earlier in this episode, is how how much and where we're taking our animals has changed. Uh, we are increasing, uh, you know, their um, their place in the public, I would say. Yeah. Uh, there. So we're, this really takes us into animal husbandry practices. Yes. Uh, and that's a big sciencey term for how we take care of animals. Um, so my degree is in animal science. Um, that degree 40, 50 years ago would have been called animal husbandry. Uh, so it's the science of taking care of animals. Awesome. Yeah. And everything within that is really just finding the best practices when it comes to the care of the, the and management of these animals. So that's everything from uh, vaccination protocols to uh, biosecurity protocols, as far as like quarantining who, who these animals come in contact with. And these are all things that as pet owners, we forget um, where like, if you go to a commercial farm, it's posted right on the gate. Don't come in this farm. We're a biosecure uh, facility. We have quarantine procedures. We have uh, cleaning procedures, all of right. this. Um, but we're out here just taking our dog to the, the local park. We're farmers going to market. the dog park, farmer's market, grocery stores, Target, <laughs> Target all of these places um, without a thought to who else is there. Um, and as, as we are all familiar with now after the, the COVID pandemic, pandemic and everything going on with that um you know if they don't ask you for your pet's vaccinations they didn't ask anybody else either so anybody can walk into lowe's or home depot with their dog vaccination status unknown so you have no idea what that dog is carrying and that could be right now we have canine influenza going around uh, but that could be Parvo. That well, there's be... actually Parvo or Distemper. I'm trying to remember which um, outbreak that um, going on right now. Yeah. 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 Um, so if if you were not asked when you walked in the door for your own pet's vaccination history, uh, they didn't ask anybody else either. So you don't know what you're running into. Then the other part of this is uh, more common. This is uh, one of Heidi's pet peeves. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) When you go to these farmer's market, uh, people are, the the shopkeepers are being very kind by putting out a bowl of water. But what's in that bowl of water is the last pet that came along there has drank, left their own saliva in that bowl. You don't know what that dog had. You don't know where that dog's been. And now here you, you just think you want to let Fido have a little sip of water, but what is he actually coming in contact with? Yeah, that's, I think that's one of the biggest ones for these outbreaks is that people put down, even in the dog parks, they share water, you know, and 
we just, like you, you made a good point about farms. We never did that. My father, and we were with other animals on shows or places we worked, but um, we were always secure with our, the way our buckets, our feed, our water, parasites yeah. in the manure, all that kind of stuff. So, right. yeah. So, yeah. So we're, again, we're going to touch more on that too, but these are all things. I think the reason I wanted to do the podcast, I've been really trying to benchmark and listen to podcasts and um, YouTube videos and such. And so much of the information is pandering in my opinion, to the narrative of, oh, it's all good and we love our dogs and we train with positive reinforcement and it's, you know, cue the rainbows and unicorns, right? Oh, we, yes. we don't have the reality or practicality of the situation. Hence my day today at the dog park where people were willing to just come up to a big dog that they didn't know that obviously is a bully breed and let their dog visit, you know, and yeah. We, we need to talk. Let's just explore those practices on this podcast. I'm not telling you I have all the answers and I know you're the same. There are some things we absolutely don't agree with and that'll come up in just a moment. Um, but there's other things we just want to kind of debate or talk about and, and bring you the listener into the conversation. Cause we know you, we love your, you know, we love dogs, you love dogs and animals and, so let's figure out the best way to sort through this. So some of the things we're going to talk about on the podcast, some training things we just, uh, we just alluded to taking your dog to the vet. Tommy's got great experience and pro, uh, good uh, suggestions for doing that. Um, fireworks, we talked about that. Vacationing with your pet, should you? Shouldn't you? We'll get into that a little bit more too. Are dog parks good or bad? There's, there's more to that story. We're not telling you that it's either, but let's break that down in a future episode. Also, this is really interesting. Who owns vet clinics these days? I think you'd be surprised to know that 25% of vet clinics and 75% of the specialty uh, emergency clinics and specialty clinics are not owned by the vets anymore. So you'll have to tune into a future episode to hear more about that. We're going to break down therapy dogs versus emotional support animals versus service dogs. And then let's talk about, is it time for you to get a pet if you don't have one? Should you give a pet as a gift? Can you afford a pet? Are you ready for a pet? Tommy, I know you and I have talked about that. Um, you know, I think more people than ever are getting pets. And I think sometimes they're almost guilted into it a little bit in today's world, especially oh, to yeah. adopt. But, you know, are you ready for it? Can you afford it? You're, you've been at the vet clinic. I mean, I'm sure people There's, come in and just like terrified at the expense, but they'll spend more on their pet than they will on themselves or the family. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Uh, I would say my general experience was that the people that really didn't have the money would be more than willing to spend it on their pet yeah. in an emotional capacity. Yep. And then the people that had the money, but were a lot less emotional about it, weren't really w willing to spend it. They yeah. wanted to be a lot more conservative, um, generally speaking. I try to um, make those decisions up front. You know, first of yeah. all, I get a pet, I realize how long they're going to live. And yes. I think hard about what, what that looks like, because I'm not going to be able to make that decision on the spur of the moment in an emotional state, because we will become emotional when our animals are sick or hurt, you know. Exactly. Um, 
The other thing we're I getting, had that yeah uh, when when I got Jimmy Dean. Um, oh, Jimmy you, Dean! <laughs> I knew you'd work him back in again. <laughs> of course, he's, he's the <laughs> biggest part of my life. Um, but you know where I got Jimmy Dean? It's our mutual friend Corolla. Yeah, and uh, I she tried to talk me into coming to get a dog from her for years. Uh, and I said, no, I'm not ready. No, I'm not ready. I don't have the time. I don't have, right. you know, the, the capacity to have an animal. Um, and it wasn't a spur of the moment situation. Yeah. It was a long-term planning. Am I in the right place? Do I have the facilities? Can I handle him uh, sitting in his kennel <laughs> well, riding while I'm trying to record a podcast? <laughs> yeah. So it, it's a big decision. It's not yes. just a spur of the moment thing. It is. For yeah. sure. And I did the same thing. I have a little dog trooper. We had a golden retriever for years. Oh my gosh. Best family pet ever. And, um, she was 14 and a half and passed away and it was sad, but she gave us the best years of her life and was a wonderful family dog. I waited five years or so. And then I decided I wanted a dog and I was traveling a lot. So I got a little six pound. I, I don't bring him to the studio, but it's trooper duper trooper. Um, he travels with me and he's a little multi poo. And so that's been going along good. Well, now I'm doing more dog training. I want to do some more demos and clinics and, uh, maybe even some shows, uh, like fun demonstration stuff. So I've been looking at a big dog. I wanted to get a big dog. Didn't really want to get a puppy. So I just got a dog from a, uh, rescue group, which is not always the first place I would look. And we'll talk about that in a future episode. Uh, but it's a standard poodle and his name is Otis and he's three years old and he's, uh, he's gorgeous, but he's got some issues and I feel completely capable of working through those and glad that he's with me because he would have been written off as always oh, just a timid dog and he'll only come so far. I have that bar set really high as I do for every animal I train. My father's yep. always told us that set the bar high people and animals will usually exceed the expectation you have of them. And my training today with my apprentice, um, I kept telling her, you've got to set your bar higher, that this dog is very smart, very capable, and you're letting him off the hook way too often, mm -hmm. right? We lower the bar to meet the narrative. I think that's happening with children in society too, I might just add. But it's a that's bigger, all, broader subject. That's a bigger, broader <laughs> subject and a whole other podcast that's already out there, so we won't take that one on. So, you know... They always say you can't legislate common sense. However, we are trying hard to do that in this country. There, are so we're going to also talk about some legislation, um, and some of it not so funny at all. There are pet store bans, five states and over seven hundred municipalities in the United States, where they've banned being able to buy a dog commercially from a pet store. You can only get them commercially from a shelter or a rescue. And we vilify breeders, so that really leaves the, the rescue um, or shelter. I, I still want a choice. I live in the United States. So I want to unpack that, though. And there's so much more to that story as there was, is with most of this. Picture the happy face emoji on Facebook and the little care with the heart and the angry emoji or the tear. And pretty quickly, we assign one of those just on a picture. We don't have to read the story even. Oh, happy face. Oh, that's so angry. I'm so sad. And the reality is I, I submit hmm, the thinking face, the face with the, 
the hand under the chin. Be thoughtful. Be curious. Wow, there must be more to that story. That's really interesting. That's what I'd like for people to start thinking about because the pet store ban is a great example of that. Um, I am going to our Pinellas County Commission meeting this week coming up. So I'll be able to report back on that in our next podcast. We're going to do these podcasts weekly to um, address this and some other issues. And so we'll break that down. Something just got reintroduced in legislation federally this year. It's been in the past. The Healthy Dog Importation Act. Why is this important? Believe it or not, I'm going to give you a little teaser on this. We're getting over, we get over a million dogs from other countries to meet the demand in shelters in the United States. When in fact, we're always told we have a surplus in the United States. So you can look this up in the meantime. We'll unpack this on another podcast as well. Just got reintroduced. It's a great piece of legislation. Um, Florida <laughs> just created a bill. It's uh, Senate Bill 932 for uh, banning your dog sticking his head out the window while you are driving. That's right, folks. And also in there is a do- uh, cat declawing clause that you shouldn't be able to declaw cats. So as usual, there's some kind of crazy parts of the legislation and some that might have some merit. I don't know yeah. enough about the cat declaw to, to have an opinion. And I, I'm really intrigued. I got to read up on why dogs shouldn't stick their head out the window. I have an idea. but So that just came up in Florida. In Germany, they have a law that you actually have to walk your dog for an hour every day. I want to talk about that on this podcast one day because I want to yeah. know how they enforce that, Tommy. Yeah, how do you regulate that? How, how do, do you, you know? Yeah, how do is you? There, is there a pedometer on the dog? Do you know how many steps it took? Is it getting its 10,000 steps in a day? Do they have an app? Or do, can they get wise like people who do that with their hand to make their watch think they're walking along? There way? you go. <laughs> <laughs> I just learned about that. Um, <laughs> and then we're going to get to um, a, a series we're going to have in this podcast called Pet Peeves. Well, I'm going to start. I'm going to take the first one, Tommy, because my absolute pet peeve, and we have had so many conversations on this, is I train with positive reinforcement. I'm calling BS on that. I think I know there's a lot more to it's one aspect of a training program called operant conditioning. Look it up, folks. Because we're going to unpack that on our next episode. We're really going to get into the details and the nuts and bolts of that. And other training programs. So we're going to talk about whether or not we actually train only with positive reinforcement. We're going to talk about a program some people use called LEMA, least intrusive, minimally aversive. Balance training. And then Tommy mentioned to me uh, recently fear-free, which is really yeah. more of a brand than a methodology or program, right? Training program. Yeah. Yep. So that's where we're going with this podcast again. And we'll always provide training information as well, but we want to just, you know, pull back the curtain on some of this stuff we're hearing about. Everything's not warm and fuzzy and everything's not horrible. Let's be thoughtful. Let's be curious. Hmm. So we want you to be curious enough to tune in again next week. And I think uh, we're going to wrap this up. I'm going to let Tommy take this one. We're also going to wrap up every podcast with a training tip, something you can take away to utilize in the next week. And then you're welcome to reach out for us. Let us know how it worked out for you. 
And um, any other questions you have about training or just all of this vast area we plan to cover. So Tommy, you want to give us a training tip? So trainer tip, uh, I think it goes to the idea of uh, what you opened today's episode with about being in the park, being in an open space. Uh, When you are starting your training program, being in a controlled environment, I think can be really helpful um, in getting the initial uh, parts and pieces established in your training program. So I think a lot of people just expect that you just go out into the wild and, and train the animal. And that's just how it works. And in reality, uh, most professionals start their program. Uh, if it's a, a dog, we're doing it at home in our living room, uh, where there's not a lot of outside noise. If it's a horse, I'm doing it in a round pin, uh, away from all the noise and, and hustle and bustle. I'm not doing it at a showgrounds. Yeah. Um, so think about that. Um, do you have just the basic behaviors uh, and basic communication started in a controlled environment? Yeah. Oh, that's just perfect. I, that was that was excellent because if you don't have that, you're certainly not going to have it when you have the distractions. So, so make sure you tune in next week. We are going to really break down training programs and, as Tommy mentioned, operant conditioning. There's a T on the end of that. Feel free to look that up and join in and learn why we, in fact, are not training solely with positive reinforcement. And But it doesn't mean it's anything negative either. It's not untoward. It's just there's much more to that story. Also, be sure and tune in to my Animal Tales podcast. Uh, we've done the first 10 episodes and really excited about that. It can all be found at animaltalespodcast.com. And please reach out to us with questions or things you'd like us to address on the podcast, animaltalespodcast at gmail.com. Please uh, rate, review us, and subscribe so you don't miss any of this. And we hope you'll tune in next week. Tommy, thanks for being here. Thank you very much, Heidi. Great talking with you as always. Yep. So don't miss some doggone good information. <laughs>